I believe that the most vulnerable, the most oppressed, as I've already said, are the children in the womb, those who have no voice at all. God is calling us to love our neighbor as ourself, to go and do likewise. Showing the world how to love life. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. On our last broadcast, we heard the first part of David's message about the sanctity of life, especially in the womb. Today, David is joined by Justin Reeder, the head of Love Life, an organization committed to addressing the horrors of the abortion industry. Proverbs 6, 17. God hates when innocent blood is shed. Folks, we've got to take a stand. We've got to be courageous. And finally, Proverbs 31, 8. Be a voice to the voiceless. The little ones in the womb don't have a voice. They need our voice. Be courageous. Be willing to speak. And one of those courageous voices I admire greatly is Justin Reeder. Uh, he is the president and head of Love Life Charlotte, and he's the one that's going to lead our church in our next stages of taking action for life. It's my privilege to introduce to you Justin Reeder. Good morning, Moments of Hope Church. So good to be here with you guys. Pastor David, thank you for an incredible word from God's Word, telling us what God's Word says about life and laying out an incredible foundation for us. I encourage you guys to go back and watch that. There's so much scripture that was packed in there to give us the foundation for what we believe and why we believe it. Pastor David and Marilyn, we honor you guys as the pastors and the leaders of this church, the decades that you've been doing ministry in this city. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister, for standing in God's word and leading this city and impacting thousands of lives. It's an honor to be here with you this morning. Moments of Hope today is all about activation. It's about how do we take what we heard and apply it to our city and live out this conviction in our city. I want to say this from the very beginning. This is not about pro-life activism. This is Christianity 101. This is simply loving God and loving people. Yes, we hate what God hates, but we love what he loves. Romans 12 tells us love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So therefore we are motivated not by the sin of abortion, but by the beauty of Jesus. That is our motivation this morning to live out our faith. Jesus first loved us. He laid down his life first for us. Therefore, we love others. He left heaven and he came to earth, this broken world where he was beaten, he was hung on a cross, he was misunderstood because he loved us. And so we're simply following the model of Jesus. We're loving others as he loved us. And that is our motivation. It's so important that we understand that, that our motivation is not the ugliness of abortion or the sin of abortion, but our motivation is the beauty of Jesus understanding what he has done for you and for me. And that is why we do what we do. That is our ultimate motivation. At our core for Love Life, it's important that you understand this as you partner with us this week. At the core of our ministry, we say this, that we are motivated by the great commandment, the love for God and the love for people. We're guided by the great commission. We believe this is disciple-making work. It's one of the best forms of discipleship that we can have in our city. I do ministry out, out at the abortion clinics with my family, with my wife and my four young kids. It's an incredible way for us to live out our faith, where we see lives that are saved. Yes, but we also get to disciple these families into the body of Christ, but also we get to disciple our children and our families in the process, how to stand in the face of evil, 
how to love those who hate you. Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, curse you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice, for great is your reward in heaven. Let me tell you that you will get a chance to practice that this week. There are people that will oppose us when we go out Saturday to the prayer walk. My children get yelled at and screamed at, and they, and they can stand there with a smile on their face because they know this scripture, but also they're getting a chance to practice it, to live it out. Let me tell you that this is one of the greatest forms of discipleship for all of us, but also for our children. So we're guided by the Great Commission. We believe this is disciple-making work. We're collaborating in John 17 unity. John 17 unity. Jesus' prayer in John 17 was that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Why? So that the world would believe. So we are coming together across denominational lines through Love Life with the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Pentecostals, the non-denomination, and we're saying Jesus should get what he prays for. He prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one so that the world would believe. So we're collaborating in John 17 unity to reach the least of these at abortion mission fields. There's no doubt that the children in the womb today are the least of these, the most oppressed among us. The most dangerous place in this world today is not in the inner cities, it's not in South Charlotte, it's not in East Charlotte or West Charlotte or North Charlotte. The most dangerous place for people today is in the womb. More black babies are aborted than born in New York City. This is the most oppressed people among us. These are the least of these. And let me tell you that these abortion centers across this nation are the greatest mission fields in our nation. In many cases, they are the unreached mission fields. They are the only places in America today where we know for certain innocent humans are scheduled to die. Broken and hurting people are showing up and innocent humans are scheduled to die. That sentence that I just said cannot be said about anywhere else in America today other than abortion clinics across America. There's 700 of them currently in America, around 700. There's only a Christian witness at about 30%. That means nearly 70% of the abortion clinics have zero hope of the gospel being offered and zero help of the local church. It's not because we don't have enough Christians or enough churches in America. There's nearly 200,000 churches in America. But we must get active we got to start living out our faith. So I just want to remind us this morning what God has called us to be as followers of Jesus. He's called us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the city set up on a hill that will not be hidden. 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us that the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. Not CNN, not Fox News, not our Supreme Court. The church of Jesus Christ is the pillar and the foundation of truth. So I'm here to activate you this morning. The greatest organism on the face of the planet, the church of Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 18 says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's you. If you are a follower of Jesus, church is not a building. It's not a place that we go to or something that we do, but we are the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Matthew 16, 19, the very next verse says, I have given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, it's a co-laboring that God desires. So the whole mission of Love Life is to unite and mobilize the church. To create a culture of love and life that would result to an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. 
We want to create a culture where people stop running to the local abortion clinics for the answer and they start running to the local church. And let me tell you, friends, that it's starting to happen. We've been at this now for about five years. We have now seen over 500 churches come together across denominational lines. Over 92,000 people that have come out to the abortion clinics for prayer walks in our city, resulting in over 3,200 families that have made the choice for life at the abortion centers. These are people that showed up for scheduled abortions in our cities and made the choice for life. You're going to get to hear one of those stories here in just a minute, but the church has the answer. We have the answer. We have the hope. It's Jesus, the hope of the gospel, and we are here to be the hands and feet of Jesus to offer help to these families. So I'm here to activate you this morning. 1 John 3, 16 and 18 says this, This is how you know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Not just with words, not just with talk, but with action and in truth. This is about action. This is about living out our faith. John the Baptist said to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, there's an ongoing act. Maybe you've been complacent over this issue in your past. Maybe you've had an abortion in your past. I just want to speak to you just like Pastor David did as well. We're not about shame or condemnation. We are about healing and restoration. That's who Jesus is. If you've had an abortion, it's not the unforgivable sin. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So please do not sit there this morning and, and, and be hearing the voice of the condemner. I want to speak to you that you are going to be the Navy SEALs of this movement. Those that have had, had abortion in their past, God's going to use your past misery and use it for today's ministry. That's what I believe. But we want to see the church get off the sidelines and get into the game, so to speak. So I want to call you to action. The way that the church, that we do this as we partner with the church is we call the church to adopt a week. And this is your week. This is Moments of Hope's week. So this day, Sunday, is all about education, awareness. What does God's word say about life? But also, what is the tragic truth of abortion in our cities? And I want to tell you that. Pastor David said some of it, but I want to follow up on it. Not, it's one out of three women and men will have an abortion in their lifetime. That's the reality. One out of three women and men. And I include men in that conversation because I actually believe that this is more of a man's issue than it is a woman's issue. If men were standing in our proper place of responsibility, women would not be running to the abortion clinics. And our stats back that up. We talk to thousands of moms out at the abortion clinic, and they tell us that, that if the dad, if the father of the child had simply said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know this was an unplanned pregnancy, but I'm with you. We'll figure this thing out. Then the mom never even would have considered an abortion. Not over 90% of the moms tell us that. So the reality is that this is more of a man's issue. If men would start taking our rightful place of responsibility, women would not be running to the abortion clinics. The most impactful voice in the mother's life is not her pastor. It's not her doctor. It's not her mother. It's the father of the child. So men, let's rise up. We're called to protect women and children. One out of three women and men will have an abortion in their lifetime. This is, this is the greatest moral issue in our lifetime, in my opinion. 
We've never seen death on a magnitude and scale like we are experiencing today through abortion. Since 1980, 1.5 billion have been murdered in the womb globally since 1980. Those are the best numbers that we have globally, and it only goes back to 1980. Globally, when they started tracking it, 1.5 billion since 1980. The leading cause of death in our community here in Charlotte is not gang violence. It's not homelessness. It's not cancer. It's not heart disease. Yes, you guessed it. The leading cause of death in our community is abortion. 150 to 200 abortions are happening every week in Charlotte. This is the leading cause of death in our community. We have to talk about it. We have to be aware of what's happening. And you see this in the story of Nehemiah, and this is how the Lord birthed the whole vision of love life in my heart uh, back at the end of 2015. In the story of Nehemiah, he heard the tragedy that was happening in Jerusalem, the broken walls, the gates that were burning with fire. He had to be made aware of the issue in his city. That's where his whole journey began. And that's where our journey is beginning today. What does God's word say about life? What is the reality of our city? And, but we're not going to stop with just education and awareness. Just like Nehemiah didn't stop with just hearing about the reality, he did something about it. What did Nehemiah do? He turned to prayer and fasting. And that's what we're going to do this Wednesday. We're calling the church to pray and fast all together this Wednesday. This is your Wednesday to pray and fast. We believe that this is a spiritual battle that must be fought with spiritual weapons. We, we need the Lord to break our heart again, to remove the heart of stone, to remove the calluses in our own hearts. Because if we're honest, we have allowed the culture to creep into the church. We have allowed this issue just to become another issue. But in reality, it is the greatest moral issue of our time. So we need to pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me feel what you feel. And when we, when we pray, when we fast, not only does it change us, but there's impact that we see that happens at the abortion clinic. We see drops in the abortion clinic when the church is praying and fasting on Wednesday. There's power in prayer. Oswald Chambers said that prayer doesn't prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the backbone of love life and what we do. Because at the beginning, I talked about how our motivation is not the sin of abortion, but it's the beauty of Jesus. Our motivation is the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Well, in Luke chapter 10, the question was asked to Jesus, who is my neighbor? It's a great question. Who is my neighbor? And I want to read to you now in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. This is Jesus's reply. He says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled and came where the man was, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out twelve silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, 
Go and do likewise. That is my challenge and encouragement for us, to go and do likewise, not to pass by any longer like the priest and the Levite did on the other side. Jesus could have said anything whenever he was asked who my neighbor was. He could have said the people that you work with, the people that you live next to. Now, of course, those are our neighbors. Of course, we should be impacting every sphere of influence that we touch. But when he was asked this question, he chose to describe a very long parable, by the way. He took time to describe somebody that was beaten and left for dead. He chose to describe somebody that was in desperate need for help. You see, because God's heart is always for the least of these, it's always most burdened towards those who are the most oppressed. And friends, I would ask you today, in our context, who is the neighbor that Jesus would describe? I believe that the most vulnerable, the most oppressed, as I've already said, are the children in the womb, those who have no voice at all. God is calling us to love our neighbor as ourself, to go and do likewise. I want to read a quote from William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was a man that helped abolish the greatest moral issue of his time, which was slavery. He said this, he said, Let it not be said that I was silent when they needed me. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says this, If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with an interesting discussion on taking the acid test. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up all the meals will shift to the dream center with the kitchen you helped us do so we're so grateful you guys god bless you god bless moments of hope and we just 
pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome, Jen. It's great to be with you as well. Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you talked about taking the acid test. So how does this relate to our personal relationship with Jesus and our faith in Him? Well, let's go back to what is the purpose of the acid test. We use that phrase a lot in our different conversations today. I mean, the acid test off, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, whenever you're trying to get gold to be pure, you put acid on top of it. And the acid burns away all of the dross and the things that don't allow the purity of gold to be there. So when you talk about the acid test, you're asking God to put on your life acid, which might even be painful and might burn away some dross and stuff that's not of faith in order to have a pure faith that's like pure gold. Hmm. So I would adjure all of our listeners today to get some time away and to be alone with the Lord and try to hear him speak to you and say, Lord, give me the acid test of pure gold for my faith. That might be that God would allow something that's a little bit painful or difficult to come into your life so that you can see a place of doubt or unbelief that's existing in your heart. It's not done for your demise. It's done for your good. God so loves you that he gives you acid tests along the way to burn away anything that's keeping you from more intimacy with him. Mm. So when we ask God to give us the acid test of faith today, we should realize it might be a bit painful, but that's okay. You know, in John 15, 2, Jesus said, those people who are bearing fruit for the Lord, he prunes. Mm -hmm. And he does so not because he hates those people who are bearing fruit for him. He does so for the purpose of them bearing more fruit. So if you go to Israel today, and Israel is the third largest fruit exporter of all the nations in the world, you'll see trees that are 20 feet high bearing great fruit, and then you'll go back the next year. That same tree will be cut back to a nub. Hmm. If you ask the vine dresser, what in the world are you doing there? He's saying, I'm doing that because over time, that tree will then produce even more fruit. I was pruning away things that were keeping fruit from coming to that tree. Similarly, I think God brings the acid test of pruning sometimes mm. when we're even bearing fruit for him, not for the purpose of destroying us, but getting rid of some vines and weeds around us, cutting us back maybe to a bit of a nub for the purpose of bearing even more fruit for him mm. for his glory. It's an acid test. It's a good test, mm -hmm. pruning something from the Lord. I think this is really good. And just to get a little personal here, I personally feel like COVID-19 has been a bit of an acid test for my own life. And thank the Lord, he's revealed some anxieties mm. about death and about suffering. And I'm thankful that he's revealed these things so I can look at them, examine them, and, and have him remove them from my life to live free. Yeah, they're keeping you from bearing the fruit that God wants you to bear. At the moment, it's painful, but over time, it's the greatest blessing you can receive. Mm -hmm. Again, 
That's the idea of an acid test that I think the Lord wants all of us to take on a regular basis, not to hurt us, but for his glory so that we can bear more fruit for him. What a beautiful invitation for us. Thank you, David. And anyone who would like to receive from me a written daily moment of hope, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They're free of charge every morning in your inbox, 7 a.m. to give you a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, hoping you have a great weekend.